0: You are listening to Church Talk with Isaac. Hello, everyone. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Church Talk with Isaac. Uh, I am the host, Isaac Watson. And let's go ahead and open up this episode today uh, by reading one of our latest reviews. Uh, This one comes in from Triv1234. It says, Depth and Truth, Isaac Has a Gift. He has the ability to take the intricacies of the word of God and break it down to such simplicity. He is well versed in scripture and you can tell that he releases from a pure stream. Please subscribe. You won't regret it. Thank you so much for that. Triv. I know Triv personally. She is Uh, A sweetheart, she's an amazing psalmist, songwriter, creative, entrepreneur, and uh, I just want to thank you for taking the time and checking out uh, this podcast and also leaving a review, so thank you. And I want you all listeners, I want you listeners to take her advice and subscribe, you will not regret it. If you've listened to any amount of episodes, one episode, 10, 30, 50, however many episodes, or all of them, Um, I'm sure you've gained something from them uh, if you keep coming back, especially. So I want to admonish you, uh, do exactly what Triv has done and write a review and also take a moment to rate Church Talk with Isaac. Um, You can rate it. There should be, especially if you are an Apple user. You should see there where there are five stars that you can rate Church Talk with Isaac. Uh, So go ahead and take a moment and do that. And even if you have to pause it. And I'm going to go ahead and just move right along because uh, today's topic, I think, is something that's very uh, beneficial. I think that many of you will re- will receive from this topic today and hopefully it brings a level of clarity and understanding to you. Because, quite honestly, um, this topic needs to be talked about. I want to actually talk out of I want my thought to come out of a, a, a verse of scripture today. Uh, and I want to actually talk out of first Corinthians seven verse nine, and then I'm going to share my thoughts on this. And, and also what I believe the culture of the church has made this verse to mean and represent, and hopefully we can, we can come to a common ground. All right. First Corinthians chapter seven, verse nine, it picks up, but if they cannot exercise self control and I'm reading from the new King James version, let them marry. Let me go ahead and read that again. But if they cannot exercise self-control, let them marry, for it is better to marry than to burn with passion. Again, that's first Corinthians seven and nine. I want to talk about this today because I think that this is one of the verses that many people can relate. Um, many people can relate to, especially when we're dealing with marriage, marriage and the unmarried. I want to talk about this. Uh, When it deals with is it better to marry than to burn and what that actually means, because in many contexts that I've have heard this statement, it's better to marry than to burn. Typically, it is speaking of two consenting partners uh, being admonished to get married because they cannot keep themselves off each other. They've You know, they're fornicating. They sleeping with one another and they are admonished and said, hey, it's better to marry than to burn. Or I've seen occurrences where if a young lady if or a lady period gets pregnant, uh, they may be told to get married um, by the parents or if it's known by the church, maybe the pastor. Uh, Or leaders within the church may admonish the couple to get married. That way the baby will not be uh, conceived um, outside of marriage. Uh, And so I've heard this statement said and from many different angles. um, But the only issue with that is and I'm going to say this (laughs) and some people may agree. Some people may disagree. But marriage is not for everyone. Marriage is not for everyone. So marriage is not for everyone. That means we have to go back and we have to take a second look at these words by the Apostle Paul. And we have to begin to dissect it. And we have to begin to understand what Paul is talking about. Now, notice that it doesn't say that it's better to marry than to fornicate. It doesn't even say it's better to marry uh, than to live in sin. It says it's better to marry Than to burn. And in some instances, it says to burn with passion. Now, this is what I want to do. I want to I want to look at this verse. I want to look at a couple different things out of this verse. And I want to try to give you all some language to it. All right. Verse nine again, it says, but if they cannot exercise self-control. Now, this is what I want to say. The topic of this conversation that Paul is having with the Corinthian church is not about simply fornication. The issue that Paul is dealing with is a matter of self-control. It's two different things. I'm going to tell you how it's two different things. Let me, let me give you a more in-depth understanding of this word self-control. In the, in the Greek, that word control uh, or self-control, it can relate to dominion, strength, power, um, or it can, it can represent um, uh, being able to master from within. All right. So self-control literally means exercising dominion from within. This is from the Greek exercising dominion from within. So what Paul is saying is that Paul is saying that if you cannot exercise dominion from within, if you cannot exercise strength from within, if you have not mastered your inner desires which are actually necessary in order to remain unmarried is better to marry than to burn. Now, I think this is important, you all, as we as we talk a little further into this, I think this is important because one of the things that we have to understand is that Paul's thought doesn't begin at at, at this particular verse. You actually have to go to verse one. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to look at verse seven. And this is what Paul says in opening up this this thought. He, he says, for I wish that all men, were even as I myself, but each one has his own gift from God, one in this manner and another in that. Verse eight. But I say to the unmarried and to the widows, it is not good for them. uh, It is it is good for them if they remain even as I am. But if they cannot exercise self-control, let them let them marry. For it's better to marry than to burn with passion. What Paul is actually saying here is that being married is a gift. But then at at the same time, he's also saying that being unmarried is a gift. They both are considered gifts. And Paul says that one has a gift in this manner and another has a gift in that manner, which means this. I believe that when Paul is dealing with a gift, what he's referring to are capacities. He's referring to uh, um, design. He's referring to purpose. He's referring to grace. In other words, it takes a grace to be married. Everyone may not have that grace. And let me let me let me say on the opposite end, it takes a grace to be unmarried and everybody does not have that grace. But the fact of the matter is whether you 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 marry or whether you do not marry, that is something that is given solely to you to determine whether or not. It is something that you are graced for because marriage is not something that God places on anyone. Marriage is a choice. Marriage is a choice. So Paul says, look, I wish that you all would remain even as I am. I'm an unmarried man and I'm able to give myself entirely to the gospel, entirely to my calling because I'm not married. Now, um, if you cannot exemplify a sense of self-control. Maybe you're not called to do what I'm called to do. Maybe you don't have the same grace that I have the grace for. Now, I want to I want to further solidify the idea that marriage is not for everyone. Let's look at Jesus's words. Matthew, Matthew, chapter 19, um, verses 10 through 12, verse 10, it says his disciples said to him, if such is the case of a man with his wife. It is better not to marry. Let me give you some context. If you if if you begin to uh, open up in Matthew chapter nineteen, this story opens up where the where the Pharisees and those of the the uh, the Jewish uh, background they begin to uh, to question Jesus in a sense, trying to corner him, and they ask him, um, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any reason? And he said, if 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 this is the case, then why did Moses permit men to divorce their wives so Jesus came and he began to deal with the with 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 the history of creation, uh, the history of 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 Jewish thought in the Jewish line. And he says this was not something from the beginning that God desired. God never desired for for divorce to be the case. He said this was always God's desire. For this cause a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. And then Jesus adds, "This isn't this isn't not uh, what we see in, in, in Genesis." Jesus actually adds this part. He says, "For what." God God is joined together. Let no man tear apart. And then he began to deal with sexual immorality. If, if, if any man divorces his wife for any reason except sexual immorality, he commits adultery, so forth and so on. And after he gets done with his discourse, his disciples asked him, they pretty much said, man, Jesus, if all of this stuff is true, is if, if what you're saying is true, then man, it's better. It's better for a man not to marry. If such is the case, verse 10, if such is the case of a man with his wife, it's better not to marry. Now, I want you to notice what Jesus does. Jesus does not rebuttal them. He doesn't say, you know what? You're right. You know what? You're wrong. This is what Jesus does. In verse 11, it says, but he said to them, all cannot accept this saying, but only those to whom it has been given. For there are eunuchs who were born thus from their mother's womb, and there are eunuchs who were made eunuchs by men, and there are eunuchs who have made themselves eunuchs for the kingdom of heaven's sake. He who is able to accept it, let him accept it. You know why he said not everyone's going to be able to accept this? Because some people are out there and they believe because of their own personal experience that marriage is for everybody. And what jesus literally is saying is some people are not going to be able to handle this because they themselves have no self-control or them or, or they themselves have been taught a particular way but this is what i want you all to understand there were eunuchs of various kinds one of the eunuchs is a eunuch from birth another eunuch is a eunuch that was made a eunuch and another eunuch is one who has made himself a eunuch for the kingdom of heaven's sake now this is the thing a eunuch is a calling to celibacy. Um, uh, those who were made eunuchs by men are those who have literally been castrated uh, in order to tend to, to the bedside or to the bed chambers of queens and princesses and royalty. So in order to ensure that the eunuch would not sleep with uh, the one that they were called to guard, they would be castrated. All right, nobody wants to be that kind of eunuch, but that's the way they did it back then. All right. I'm not sure if people still do that. Of course not in America, but in other parts of the world, I'm not sure if people still do that today, but ugh, that was that's kind of extreme. All right. But it says that there were those who were born eunuchs. I'm not going to deal into, I'm not going to deal with that, but I do want to deal with people who have made themselves eunuch for the kingdom of God's sake. That does not deal with castration. What that deals with uh is individuals who have made a decision to live a life of celibacy and to live a life of of singlehood or of being unmarried so that they can give themselves entirely to the gospel and to the kingdom of God. Jesus says it. He says that marriage, in other words, is not for everybody. There are certain people who have certain callings that has nothing to do with being married. Now, this is what I want you all to understand. Marriage isn't for everyone, but the gospel is for everyone. Now, I'm going to tie this in because I believe that for people who may have a grace to be unmarried and if they decide to do so, by all means, they can do so. Because ultimately, people say, well, well, Adam and Eve, they were they were commanded to be fruitful and multiply. Well, I believe that the gospel can be fulfilled through the example of Adam and Eve without marriage being in the picture. Okay. For one, if you look at Ephesians chapter 5, marriage as far as a, a husband and a wife is only a type and shadow. But the reality is Christ. The reality is Christ, meaning this, this, this is what that means. That means that 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 marriage is only to be something that points to a greater reality. The purpose of marriage is to point to a greater reality. That greater reality Is the gospel that greater reality is Christ and the church. So I believe that the gospel can be fulfilled um, by looking at Adam and Eve without marriage being in the picture at all. Now, this is this is let me give you an example. The apostle Paul, for one, Jesus is an example. But let me give you an example of a man that wasn't God. All right. (laughs) Paul said this. He said, I became your father because I begotten you through the gospel in first Corinthians chapter four. All right. He says, though you may have 10,000 instructors in Christ, you don't have many fathers for I've become your father for I've begotten you through the gospel. Now, this is what we have to understand. Paul wasn't married. So how was he a father? Paul didn't have any natural children. So how was he telling his church that he was their father? The reason why Paul was able to say this is because although Paul was not married to a woman, Paul was solely married to the Christ. As the bride. So, Paul, what he did was he laid seed, which is the word of God, in the hearts of men and incubated those seeds through the gospel, which ultimately brings them through the womb of the church and into the new birth experience. Paul and Jesus Christ was an example, was an example. Of a husband and wife, Paul representing the bride of Christ or the church, Jesus representing the husband. So we see the command to be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, have dominion is being fulfilled through a single unmarried man. I believe the same can be said regarding women as well. So when we're dealing with it's better to marry than to burn, it doesn't say it's better to marry than to fornicate. Literally, what, it's mean, what, is, what, it, what it means is that it's better to marry than to live unmarried with strong sexual desires. So this is the thing. There are certain people who I believe have, have little to no sex drive at all. All right, if I can just talk candidly. And I believe that those type of people, it's easier to live an unmarried life. But then you have people who are, who are, who are a either waiting to get married and they desire to be married. Or B, they desire to be unmarried because of the things that they know that marriage brings and because of what they may know about their calling or even just desire. They may not have any desire to be married. Now, sometimes that can be either through design or through dysfunction. However, there are people through design that have no desire to be married. And what Paul is saying is this. Look, if you have strong sexual desires, and you want to be unmarried and you want to remain unmarried to give yourself um, um, to the Lord. But but check this out. If you are if if you cannot exemplify um, or exercise inner strength or if you have not mastered your inner desires. And if it's becoming unbearable and, and if you know that this is not something that you're called to, it's better to marry. Then to live with those desires it had absolutely nothing to do with somebody falling in sin and being admonished to get married because of something that they're doing. I mean, we just completely twisted that thing. We completely twisted it. And, and ultimately what we do is we make the unmarried feel like they're lepers. We make them feel like there's something wrong with them. Even in the church, when we deal with, with unmarried, with, with, with singles ministries in church and we get all the unmarried people together. R- literally, what most singles ministries are is a it's not really a singles ministry. It's a prepare you for marriage ministry. So everything that you're learning in a lot of these singles ministries is what it takes to actually be married instead of learning what it takes to live a healthy, unmarried lifestyle. Because marriage isn't for everyone. If we begin there with the idea that marriage is not for everyone, I believe that we will begin to see this whole epidemic with with with, with, with unhealthy, toxic, uh, dysfunctional marriages. I believe we'll begin to see a decline in that because so many people have been pressured into getting married. Some of them have no desire to be married. Some of them are not ready to be married. Some of them are so messed up that they would mess up their their own marriage and they will self-sabotage it. So they need to take a season or a time to to learn who they are and develop fruit of the spirit before trying to bring someone else into their world. Do not be pressured. If you feel like marriage is not for you, let me tell you something. You are not outside of the will of God. Don't let someone convince you you're not that you are outside of the will of God if you feel like Um, you may that marriage may not be for you. This is what I want you to do though. I want you to sincerely seek God and I want you to inquire and ask Him yourself and get clarity on who you are. Because just because everyone around you may be getting married and you and this is not for everyone, but you may feel like you don't have that desire and you're asking God to give you a desire for marriage, maybe that's not a part of your design. Or maybe You have an actual choice to make that you should not be pressured into one way or the other. So, listen, I I, I could talk more into this, but maybe maybe on another episode. I hope this blessed you. Um, Thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, I pray that you have a great week. Until next time, be blessed. Thank you for listening to Church Talk with Isaac. If you enjoy our content and benefit from this podcast, do me a favor and subscribe, leave a review, and share with your friends, family, and colleagues. I'm also on all social media platforms and would love to connect with you. You can also partner with us by visiting IsaacWatsonMinistries.com and clicking donate. Your partnership helps us to get the message of Jesus through Isaac Watson Ministries to the world. Talk to you soon.